Hey, it's Granger Smith. This is the Granger Smith Podcast, Episode 9. I had to learn a lot of things in the music business the hard way through a lot of miles, a lot of years, a lot of failure. And in this episode, I want to talk about a fundamental time when everything changed for me. I saw things differently for the first time. 2018's here. The tour is going awesome. We're in Ohio today. Um, halfway through this day, so I'm probably not going to finish the podcast until tomorrow in Pennsylvania. It's so awesome to go out on stage and see Yee Yee Nation. And that's what we call our fans, our people. They wear the Yee Yee hats and shirts and hold flags and signs. They're so passionate about the music. And that is what keeps me going. That's what, that's what fuels me, the fans. That's where it starts to me, and that's where it's going to end one day. When I don't have any fans left, that's when I'll have to quit. <laughs> But I didn't always think that way. It wasn't always about the fans. It was about, at one point, climbing the ladder of music and making making songs and hopefully getting a record deal. But uh, amazingly enough, you don't realize until later that it's the fans that provide all of that for you. And I learned it the hard way. And I'll tell you all about that. So once again, I'm in the back of my bus, Wildflower. And it is cold, really cold in Ohio today. I'm looking out the window, and it's there's about six inches of snow covering the, the parking lot of this empty venue. And that seems to be, to be chasing us around. The cold weather is, is oh, I mean, we're, we are playing the Northeast and the Upper Midwest. And so you would expect this time of year it's going to be really, really cold. You know, I asked you guys on the last few podcasts if you needed a question answered then it would be easy. Ask the question on social media and then hashtag Granger Smith Podcast. And we'll keep on doing that. And I'm pulling them up right now. And I have a question from Matthew Porter. It says, why did you choose to rap the song B24? I know your grandpa flew them, but would love to know why you made it into a rap song. Hey, it's a great question. Oh yeah, I got my flaps down, my landing gear raised up. Granger Smith coming to you 10,000 feet in the B-24. I got my trigger cocked and you on lock. Bounce away. Boom, boom, round, round. Propeller go. Boom, boom, round, round. That's how we roll. Whoa, little B-24. That's what they call me, the little man. I've never been this high before. Cruising in the sky in a B-24. I'm sick and tired of contemporary means of travel. Every day, same game with the same battle. Bumper, bumper, traffic jam on the interstate. Back in 41, they didn't roll that way. I'm going back like that to the way they were. When all the ladies look fly in the mink furs. You think a Cadillac's the only way to ride? If you want to find me, be looking in the sky. It'll be 24. Riding in a B-24. So there's a lot of people that are probably wondering what the heck is going on. And that was a release by me in 2010. And there's a reason. It's not because I was trying to do a side project and try to be a famous rapper, especially with how terrible I am at rapping. Let me start at the beginning. My, my grandfather, as I've talked about a bunch, was a B-24 bomber pilot in World War II in 1944. Uh, I found out a lot about this later in life because he never talked about it, but it wasn't until after he passed away that I read his flight diary. 
and my dad put a lot of his stories together and I would just I, would, I just could not believe what he went through as a 24 year old young man in those skies in Western Europe I actually wrote a song about just that it's called five more minutes I get a call after I wrote the song five more minutes I get a call from this organization that actually had the last existing still functioning b24 aircraft and they wanted me to be able to go up and fly in it now that's i looked at that as an amazing opportunity not only for me to experience that feeling and those sounds that my grandfather must have known so well but so that other people could learn about the b24 as well so i remember it very clear one day i was outside and i was mowing the grass and at the time in 2010 Lonely Island from Saturday Night Live was very popular, and they had a song out called I'm on a Boat. Does anybody remember that? And that's when it hit me that I could either go in and make this little video about me touring a B-24 and talking about how majestic the plane is, and that video would get a few views, or I could try to make a splash, and I could try to make a song like I'm on a Boat and call it B24, and write a rap song and make this ridiculous music video from a country singer. And hopefully that would get a lot of views and would get a lot of eyes on the B24. And we had a great time making it. The song was easy to write. I did it right there as I was mowing the grass. And you know what? The plan worked. Because here I am, eight years later, talking about it on a podcast because you guys are wondering... Hey, what's up with that B24 song? Look up and wave at the B24. B24 Last podcast I left off with a story I was telling you about me putting out my very first album that I recorded completely in my own house in College Station, Texas. It was called Living Like a Lone Star. And I was very, very proud of this album. As you can imagine, I started from the ground up and I built everything, wrote all the songs, built, you know, everything from the kick drum to every guitar was right there with my hands on it. And so this was a piece of me that I really wanted to do good. And it really didn't. I think the album was centered around the song Colorblind. It was one of the first songs I wrote for it. And to this day, I think my favorite song that I've ever written, and just hearing this now, it just kind of takes me straight back to where I was in my life in College Station. I want to be colorblind Then I would never think about your soft green eyes Sweet blonde hair would never cross my mind There'd be no black gown you slip into at night Maybe I'd forget about your warm brown skin And stop dreaming about the taste of salty lips I wouldn't be hurting now and missing you I wouldn't know a single thing about you It 
wasn't just that I worked hard on these songs in this album. It was that I poured my heart into it. I was telling stories that were mine, that were real emotions I was going through. And when it was finished, I felt like it was a snapshot of my life. And I don't know why at the time I, I thought that just because I was doing that, people would hear it and latch onto it and come to the shows. But they didn't. No one was coming to the shows still. And I even had what I thought was good music, and that didn't matter. And it's funny, because now I'm sitting here, however many years later, at a sold-out show in Ohio, in between meet-and-greets, doing a podcast talking about not having fans. It's been a long journey. (laughs) And I think I could pinpoint one specific time when it started to change. Back on the bus after a meet and greet, and I brought a letter with me that I got from a fan. And I get letters a lot, and I encourage them because I I read every word. They mean a lot to me. And I found this paragraph in here in this letter that's very relevant to what I'm trying to say here in this podcast. And it says, Next, I need to thank you for devoting so much time and energy into connecting with your fans. I've been a country music fan going to 12 concerts a year since I was a 12-year-old girl. No one has ever appreciated their fans the way that you do. And you know what? That is the compliment that I want. That's what I'm looking for. If I could stand out in any way, I want to be the guy that appreciates their fans more than anyone else. And I do that because of these days, these early days when I was making music and every fan mattered one at a time. I want you to remember a name because this is the guy that first got me on the path of thinking this way. His name is Benjamin Knox. He's an artist, a local artist in College Station, Texas, and he's a kind of a local legend. He draws pictures for Texas A&M, and he's very good at it. And he liked my music, so he was a fan, and he, and he would be one of the few fans that would come and, and watch me play. And after one show, he said, Hey, man, could I buy you a beer? I want to talk to you a little bit about what you got going on. And here I am, this young kid. And I said, sure. And what he told me led me down a path that I'll never forget. This podcast is brought to you by the brand new album, When the Good Guys Win. I hope you guys hear it. And let me know what you think. Let me know your favorite songs. That's really important. It helps me build a set list and know what you guys are really digging. It's also brought to you by Yee Yee Energy, my energy drink that me and my brothers created, and I love this drink. In fact, it's almost showtime here, and I'm about to crack one myself. And lastly, there's Yee Yee Apparel, the badge of Yee Yee Nation. Very soon, we'll have a brand new line of tanks and t-shirts for the spring and summer. Go to Grangersmith.com for all that stuff. I always feel like I need to apologize for that low rumble of the generator, but I guess that's the best I could do with a tour bus podcast. This is what Benjamin Knox told me that night when he bought me a beer. And I tell this same story over and over to opening bands that we tour with. So if you're an aspiring singer-songwriter, or you know one that you'd like to share this message with, I think it's really important advice to hear. Now, Benjamin has a very successful business in College Station, Texas. He's a very talented painter, but he told me that he donates a huge portion of his proceeds to charities back into the community. The community that provides the career for him, the community that supports him and allows him to live out his dream as an artist. Now, he told me not only was that important to give back to the community financially, 
but it was also important to him creatively. It was, it was good for his soul, good for his heart to know that he was helping out the very people that are helping him. Now, it's easier said than done. It has to come from the right place, right? It can't be manufactured. It has to be real, genuine. And it's not a new concept. I mean, St. Francis said, for it is in giving that we receive. But what if you were like me and you, you didn't have any money? Right? What can you possibly give? So I said, well, what, do, what does a guy like me do? I'm a starving artist myself. I have nothing. And he said, you have your music. That is your gift. And before you make any money in music, if you ever do, you have that. That is your gift. And I said, well, that, that's easy to say, but how do, I, how do I give it? No one goes to my shows. And he said, it's all around you. You've got to open your eyes. And he's right. And to anyone listening now, I say, find your gift. Find your gift. And sitting there with Benjamin, he said, you know, I've got something for you. He said, I was having lunch today and I was checking out and there was a jar on the table and it said, help Mindy walk. And the story was there was a girl that was in a car accident. She was paralyzed from the waist down and she was going through rehab so that she could walk across the stage to get her diploma at graduation. It's a great cause. And that was a good place to start. He said, Granger, you'll never believe how motivated this will make you, how happy it'll make your soul to be able to do stuff like this. And to keep your eyes open, because it's not just Mindy, it's all around us. There's people that need our help, and all we have to do is be aware of that. He said, if you do that, if you give back, he said, I promise you, it will come back to you and your career tenfold. And I believed him. Front for a swing at your mama's house and a little stream up in the mountains. A shotgun seat and a ocean breeze. There's a Ferris wheel just spinning round a midnight moonlight shining down. A red sunset in a cotton dress. So here I am in Pennsylvania. We've arrived for the show tonight. Last night was great in Ohio. If you want to catch up with me, go to Grangersmith.com forward slash tour. We'll be at a place very close to you soon. I promise. And if you want to meet me up close and personal, we offer VIP packages. We have gold and silver. The gold gets to go on the bus and get some solid time with me, hang out. And silver, if you just want to meet me and take a picture, we have that option too. I love being able to meet you guys. And so those those are really important parts of my day. Back to the story, Benjamin Knox's words really resonated with me. And actually, I went to that place that he had lunch and I looked up Mindy and I called them and asked if I could donate a concert, a benefit concert to help Mindy walk. And I never heard back, but that wasn't the point. It wasn't about that. It was about me learning, me learning how to be a public figure because a person that survives on the community needs to give to the community and think about community and genuinely care about their community. That's the price of the dream. It's easy to me. It's an easy concept. My mind changed from how do I get people to listen to this new album to how do I get people to care enough to listen to this new album? And those were two very different things. And it wasn't easy, but as I started giving more, as I started becoming more aware of people around me, things started changing slowly 
very slowly, but they started changing until something really big happened. At least for where I was at the time, it was the biggest thing that had ever happened to me in music, period. And it was such a simple idea. Some of you listening to this might know the song We Bleed Maroon. Some of you might not. But the truth is, in 2007, if you were a fan of me at all, it was because of We Bleed Maroon. It all started late one night, driving home from a show in Arkansas. Now, no one came to this show, like usual. And as I was driving through the rain, middle of the night, bands asleep, and I was thinking... I go out on the weekends and I play concerts and I leave all the people that know the most about me. It's a small pocket of them, but I leave them to go out and try to win fans in other places. I'm forgetting about my own community. So I got to work and I wrote them a song. So put a penny on Sully and wish me some luck. And your farmers fight when her boys are backed up. Throw your arms around each other and sing on a balloon. Cause that's what we do when we believe maroon. Yeah. This is how it all went down. I got home, I wrote this song, I recorded it. Very simple, me and a guitar. I emailed it to a few people at the university and said, hey, here's this song. I wrote it. I know you don't know who I am, but maybe you could use it for something, a charity or, or some kind of fundraiser. And I didn't hear back from them. And that, that didn't surprise me until the next day. I'm driving down the road and I hear it on the radio. That version. I freaked out, pulled a U-turn, went straight to the radio station and walked in there and said, hey guys, please, please, that song you just played, don't play it anymore. They looked at me like I was crazy. And I said, no, I'm going to go record that with my band. So I went home, called the band, they met me, and one day we had the full version recorded and I sent it back to the radio station. And the song went crazy. I had never seen anything like that. I'd never experienced a quote hit. Now it was small time. Nonetheless, I'd never experienced anything like that. And everything changed. My shows went through the roof. People were singing along, all because I was focusing on them. I was playing music to them specifically. And it wasn't just that song. The other songs started picking up traction, too, on Living Like a Lone Star album. And my favorite song, Colorblind, that I had written, all of a sudden kind of started becoming popular. And after I donated the song to the university and gave them all the proceeds, my shows increased. And so, just like Benjamin Knox told me, everything came back to me tenfold. I was able to pay off all my music debts. I was able to take that next step in my career. And if it hadn't been for that, I would have been in a lot of trouble. We Bleed Maroon saved me. No, fans saved me. So put a penny on Sally and wish me some love. And you far when the boys are backed up. Throw your arms around each other. Sing how about you. Yeah, that's what we do. Right here at the Dixie Chicken, too. When we blame. College Station, you just made history with me, and I'll forever be grateful. 
for God bless you. Thank you. And it's true, I'm forever grateful for that town. It gave me a dream. And I still had a lot more dream left. I still have a lot more story after that because I wasn't even close to understanding the full potential of embracing the community. I hadn't put on a combat boot yet. I hadn't traveled to the other side of the world to truly understand the healing power of music and to learn that as a musician, it was my responsibility to share that. But I would very soon. And I'll tell you that story very soon. Meanwhile, it's been a long tour. I'm going to play the show in Pennsylvania and head back home. I've got an anniversary date with my wife tomorrow night. You know, when We Bleed Maroon came out, I hadn't even met Amber yet. But I was close. It was actually music that brought us together. It was actually a song called Don't Listen to the Radio. And that, too, in more ways than one, changed everything. I found my gift. What's yours? It happens like that. Out of the blue sky, lost in her blue eyes. Yeah, when it happens like that. Nothing to lose turns right into you. Do it all you can do just to keep her around till the moon goes down in her back at your house. One thing leads to another. You loving each other when looking, you never look back. It happens like that. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Come find us on tour, grangersmith.com forward slash tour. We'll see y'all down the road.